Good morning, church. I'm so glad to be here once again. Uh, if you're new with us or if you're joining us online, uh, we're so glad that you're here with us. And welcome. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Tim, and I'm one of the pastoral workers here at St. Mary's. And I'll be continuing our series in the Ten Commandments uh, this morning by preaching on the fourth. Let us begin with a word of prayer, shall we? Heavenly Father, we praise you that you know and you care for each and every one of us who are listening here today. Help us, O Lord, to be listening to your truth, and please give us willing hearts to be able to receive your truth with obedience, so that we may know the sweetness of your wisdom on this topic of your Sabbath. So help us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, one way of looking at the Ten Commandments is by dividing them into two broad categories. The first category are commandments that teach us to obey the greatest command, which is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that's the first four commandments we've looked in the past, commandments one to three. The first commandment, worship God alone and Him alone. Number two, don't worship God via images or idols. Worship Him in the proper way that He has prescribed. And number three that we saw last week, honor God's name and His character. And today we will round off that list by looking at commandment number four, observing the Sabbath and keeping it holy unto the Lord. Okay? And, the, and commandments five to ten have to do with uh, loving God by loving others that he has put in front of us. Right? Now, today we're looking at the fourth commandment. And the fourth commandment is a bit of a paradox. What do I mean? On the one hand, it is the most explicitly worded of the commandments. It's the longest word. Uh, in, if you look at the passage of Exodus 20, where the, the, all Ten Commandments are written, there's most words spent on the fourth. So on one hand, God's saying this is serious. But on the other hand, this is the one commandment that most Christians feel free to ignore. Some will accuse Christians of only obeying nine of the Ten Commandments. And the one that's ignored is this one, the fourth. That has to do with the Sabbath. Why? Because many Christians would say that the fourth commandment to observe the Sabbath is not commanded in the New Testament. All the other nine commandments to not covet, to not steal, to not murder have been recapped, re-emphasized by Jesus or his apostles except for the Sabbath command. So some Christians feel free to ignore it. So how should Christians, how should we as Christians be practicing this command, this Sabbath day? Now, I'll, I will outline three main views here. There, of course, there's more in between, but I'd want hear, us to be here for an hour, so I'll just put three, all right? The first is rigid Sabbath obedience. So Christians here, they will take a one-for-one -one replacement. The Jews observe the Sabbath. Christians observe it in this way. Obey the commandment rigidly. Don't work like the Jews did. Uh, some might even go further to say that we must obey it literally on a Saturday. So it's not right to gather on a Sunday, we gather on a Saturday instead. So that's the first. And of course, if that's the first, uh, the second is the extreme opposite, which is to totally ignore the Sabbath altogether. Like I said, it doesn't apply to us in Christ. Uh, it's not commanded in the New Testament. We're not breaking the law that way and totally ignore the Sabbath. Now the third view is somewhat of a middle ground. And that is for Christians to be taking this command seriously, to obey it, but in light of Christ and who he is and what he has done. And that's the middle way. And as good Anglicans, I would recommend us to take this third option. Okay? So that's why for us, I hope uh, for us today, we'll learn that Sabbath is about restful worship in Christ. Restful worship in Christ. And those are the three parts of my message today. The rest of the Sabbath, the worship of the Sabbath, and last but not least, the Lord of the Sabbath. Okay? 
So let's go to the first part, the rest, because Sabbath is actually a Hebrew word. Uh, it's derived from the Hebrew word Shabbat, which means to cease, to decease, to rest, stop. And the first time we see this mention is in our Old Testament passage that we've read today in Genesis 2. You see, at the end of the creation account, God finished everything in verse 2. Uh, God finished the work that he had done and he rested on the seventh day. There's that word, Shabbat, right? God rested and he made it holy. He made the seventh day holy. So the first and foremost, the Sabbath is God's idea because he did it first and he made it holy. But if that is what it means uh, to be holy, what does it mean? To be separate, to be special to God, um, to make it unholy or to profane the Sabbath was then to make this seventh day like all the other six days, to blur the distinctions, to have no distinctions. If on six days you work, this day you don't. By profaning the Sabbath, you're just working like any other day. Now, this uh, commandment was worded very explicitly, maybe because it's human nature to not want to obey it, isn't it? So let's look at it. Uh, in our going through of the Ten Commandments at the beginning of the service, the full commandment wasn't read. We just read, you shall rest on the seventh day. That was it. But actually the commandment goes on. If you look at Exodus chapter 20, on verse 10, the seventh day is the Sabbath unto the Lord your God. It, on it you shall do no work. You, your son, your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, your livestock, or the sojourner within your gates. It's very explicit. None of you do work. You cannot find a loophole by saying, God says, you don't do any work. Okay, maybe your son goes and, goes and, goes and do the work for you. Or your servant goes, goes and do the work for you. Or maybe even the sojourner that just walks in, not an Israelite, don't need to obey the, God, o -o obey the law, right? They work for you. No, no, no. God says, no work to be done. Not even your livestock. And it goes one step further in Exodus 34, right? It's even applying to harvest and plowing time in Exodus 34 verse 21. Six days you shall work, but on the seventh you shall rest in plowing time and in harvest. Now maybe this is lost on most of us here who live in the city, right? Not many of us here plow or harvest. But what do we mean? In an agrarian society where what the crop that you plant puts food on the table. And not just that, it, it feeds your livestock, the animals that you, you know, if not, you just be eating grain. No, you also need animals. Your animals feed off the grain as well. The crop that you harvest also gives you money. It gives you wealth in that day and age. And not just that, but the crop that you plant in its abundance supplies for next year's, next year's planting as well. Everything is tied into the crop. That is the means of livelihood. And, and plowing and harvest, plowing, getting ready the field for planting, and, and harvest when you gather in the, the crop are both not just labor intensive but time sensitive. Right? If, if you plow it faster, you can plant it faster, you can grow well in a, in a great season, and then you harvest before, you know, it, it spoils. It's time, it's time sensitive. And that is when God is telling them, rest. God is not asking them to rest when it's convenient. After you've planted the, you plowed, okay, maybe it's time is sensitive. Okay, you plowed, you planted, now you're waiting for the growth, then you have your Sabbath. No. Sabbath, even when it's inconvenient, because they were meant to trust God. When it's inconvenient, that's when their trust is tested. To trust God that will provide. A farmer looking at the pot, maybe I missed a spot. I, oh, on a Sabbath day, I want, I want to plow that one spot I missed. And God says, rest. Trust me. There will be time. Trust me. I will provide to trust. But sadly, we see in the Sabbath command 
that they don't trust God. In Exodus 16, we see an example. See, God had just freed them, in this case, from being slaves to Egypt. He's bringing them to a beautiful land. But on the way, they're going through a desert. And of course, there's no fields, there's no food to be had in the desert. So God gives miraculous manna every morning to sustain them. Like dew on the ground when they first thing they gather, they were told to collect enough for that day, for the food for that day. But they didn't trust God. What if God forgets the next day and they collect extra? And be, lo and behold, at the end of the day, the extra manna they collected turned bad. It, it had worms and it stank. And they were told to collect every day except the Sabbath. That on the day before the Sabbath, on the Friday, they were meant to collect double so that they can rest on the Sabbath. And yet here again, we see that they didn't trust God. They were happy to collect double on Friday, but came Saturday on Sabbath, they went out again to look for more manna. And God says, how long will you refuse to trust me? They didn't trust God. But bear in mind, these were the same group of people that have witnessed with their own eyes how God has single-handedly defeated the gods of Egypt and brought them out of Egypt with a mighty hand to the ten plagues and splitting the Red Sea in front of them, defeating Pharaoh's armies. They had ample reason to trust God. And it's sad that they don't. And the, the command to rest on the Sabbath wasn't just a test to see if they would trust Him or not, but actually it was for their own good. Let's look at Exodus chapter 23, verse 12. On six days you shall work, on the seventh day you rest, that your ox and your donkey may have rest, and the son of your servant and the alien may be refreshed. The Sabbath rest was so that God's people can be refreshed and rejuvenated so that they can work. God, who has made us, knows that we need rest. Machines, even machines that run need regular servicing, need regular maintenance, isn't it? What more biological creatures like us? And we ignore this rest to our own detriment. Remember, the Sabbath is about restful worship in Christ. And this leads us to our first principle. And that is Sabbath. The Sabbath is God's wisdom. Now, the command goes, in six days you shall do all your work. And God acknowledges that work is good. But on the seventh you shall rest, that God mandates a time of rest in the week. And the danger is treating either work or rest as sinful. Okay? Um, I roughly put it here in the outline. To the workaholics and the restaholics. That's what I call it. Now, to the workaholics, to view rest as sin, as something dirty. This is like something our Asian work ethic tends to promote, right? If you're resting or you're stopping work for a time, you're slacking. And, and, and to, to, to admit that you need rest is a weakness. To this culture, we need to remember that resting is God's idea. It's what God tells us is good for us. It's God's wisdom. And we need to be careful not to let pride or the expectation of others force us to admit, like to, to refuse to admit that we need a break. Because we do. When we rest, we are commanded like the Israelites to trust God. And like the Israelites, as they were gathering manna, they need to intentionally gather double so that they can rest properly on the, on the Saturday, on the Sabbath. So likewise for us, when we rest, we need to intention, be intentional about it because it won't gradually happen. For those of us who, think, who, who work, rest does not come naturally. It needs to be intentional. So let me draw from my own example. 
For me, my day off is Saturday. It's yesterday, so literally it's a Sabbath, right? Not intentionally, but because that's the one day my kids are not at school, my wife's at work, and I can have genuine quality time. As a young father, my kids are below the age of seven, uh, and that, that's a precious time I get to spend with them because on Sunday, dad's working the whole day. On, on, on weekday nights, there's meetings and trainings and, and things that goes on that daddy can't put them to sleep every night. So Saturday times for me are really, really precious. And where I have neglected this, it has been to my own detriment, right? Uh, my kids feel like they don't spend time with me. They feel insecure. They will act out a bit more emotionally. They don't realize they're doing it. But I, I, I realize, right, if I get to spend more time with them, they feel secure, they feel loved, then they react nicely to me. If not, they'll keep re you know, rebelling. Or my wife, uh, she feels that if I dump all the kids on her, like nonstop for 14 days in a row, she feels exhausted. She feels disconnected with me. She doesn't know what's going on with me. And so the, the actual disharmony at home takes a toll on not just my mental and my emotional ability, but also my ability to care for others and do my job well. I need rest. And we ignore God's wisdom to our own detriment. So I need to intentionally carve out time and put things well on Friday so that on, on, on Sunday, I, like, what I need to, to get ready on Sunday for my service across the hall, I need to do it all by Friday. So on Saturday, I can put my phone aside, put my iPad aside, and not Look at that. But look at, be there. Be fully present with my family. Trust God that things don't fall apart in the time that I'm not addressing my emails or my communications. Right? It takes work to rest. But to, there are those of us who will say, rest? Yes and amen. I will read, readily rest because to me, work is something that is horrible. Work is a stigma. And, and for the longest time, that was me as well. Uh, I will take, I will maximize my, 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 my days off, my vacation time. I will carve out me time wherever possible. Now, number one, we need to recognize that work is not part of the fall. Okay? In six days, you shall work. It's part of God's good design for us to be busy, to work, and to cultivate. And number two, we rest, we cease, not about us. It's not about us, not about our pleasures. We don't rest so that we, you know, fulfill our desires so we can binge Netflix. Not about those things. But Sabbath is holy unto God. We are to stop so that we can worship, we can go to God. And that's why it ties in to the next section, which is the worship of Sabbath. We rest so that we can worship. So the Sabbath is not just uh, about our need for rest but to tell us of our need for God. Remember, the Sabbath is not holy unto us. It's holy unto God. And as we just read in Genesis 2, uh, 1 to 3, uh, we always read it so, so commonly. Until I, there was this one podcast I was listening to on this topic. And, wow, a new revelation came in. And let me unpack it for you this way. Do you notice that the seventh day, the Sabbath is the seventh day for God? God was creating and he rested on the seventh day. But Adam, as we've read just now, was created on the sixth day. For Adam, his first day of existence is God's Sabbath. And the other days of creation, the six days of creation, there was evening, there was morning, the second day, the evening and morning, the third day, and so on and so forth. Until you come to the Sabbath, that had no evening because God's Sabbath didn't end. That Adam was God's design for humanity was meant for us to be living in his Sabbath, to enjoy perpetually his blessing, his presence. That was God's design for us. And that's why in Deuteronomy 5, verse 15, when Moses was recapping the Ten Commandments for the next generation, the first generation having failed, he says to them, keep the Sabbath because, verse 15, you shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. 
And the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and outstretched arm. Therefore, keep the Sabbath day. The Sabbath was then meant for Israel to remember God's gracious redemption from Egypt. And as they were remembering God's grace, they remembered that God has saved them, that they were to be refreshed and realigned so that they would live for Him. But of course, that's not what Israel did. How? You know, see, they still kept the Sabbath. Make no mistake, they still ceased from working. But they forgot about God. One example here is in Amos. Okay, and I'll point you to Amos chapter 8, where God speaks to his people. Hear this, you who trample on the needy and bring the poor of the land to an end, saying, when will the new moon be over that we may sell grain and the Sabbath that we may offer wheat for sale, that we may take the epaph small, make the epaph small and the shekel great and deal deceitfully with false balances, that we may buy the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and sell the chaff for wheat. These people right, were still keeping the Sabbath. They were still, you know, God, you tell me not to work? Okay, I will not work. I'll step aside. I won't work. But they can't wait to get back into it. And not just about uh, work, but about exploiting and cheating their fellow countrymen. They had no conscience. Their greed knew no bounds. Their wickedness wasn't just about refusing to trust God. It was about exploiting others. They've so far gone away from God that they began to look as people, other people, as commodities to enrich themselves. And that was their evil heart. That the Sabbath then was an external restriction that became burdensome to them because their hearts have turned from God. And this is the exact opposite of what God wanted the Sabbath to be. And that's our second principle, in that the Sabbath is God's blessing. The worship of Sabbath rests it's a blessing. It's an intended blessing for us because we are meant to cease from the daily grind of six days. Stop from that and refresh ourselves in God so that we realign ourselves to God's reality, to realign ourselves to the fact that we are more than what goes on in this life. Work will cease. The career will end. But our life with God will last forever. So we observe Sabbath in that way. As St. Augustine says, God, you have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in you. So to, to just observe the Sabbath externally, stopping work but not seeking God, is pointless. It's like what God's people did in Amos. So we here have two warnings for us. The first warning is about our heart. May I ask, what is our heart's posture as we approach God? we want to approach God on our terms when it's convenient for us. Now, for those of you who are viewing online, I'm aware of the fact that you can view this video at your leisure, whenever you want to, at your convenience. But is that the right heart to be bringing? Is the weekly gathering for us the Lord's day or is it just the Lord's morning? That we have, okay, this, this is the time I give you God and the rest, when will this end so that I can do other things? Now, we may not be as evil as some people of Amos, but it's our heart there. Have the things of God become a restrictive, cumbersome burden that we begin to detest it? Or do we delight in it? Has the Sabbath become about us rather than about God? And here I'd like to point us to Isaiah 58 verse 13. That God was telling his people, in essence, stop 
do, keep, keep from doing your pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight and a holy day of the Lord. If you do this, if you honor it, don't go your own ways, seek your own pleasure or, or, or take it idly. Delight in the Lord and I will bless you. That was God's design for his people to be delighting in him on the Sabbath. So do we eagerly come before him, coming to church and gathering among his saints because we know in doing this, this is when our souls receive more of God. Do we set aside distractions so that we can spend time with him? Do we ensure that we have enough sleep, enough rest so that we are refreshed on Sunday morning when we gather? Do we delight in the things of God and make them a priority because we know that it is in the things of God that we get blessing him? So let us approach God with the right heart. Now, if it's about the heart, and that's really what it is, the heart, then let us not look at external observances, external behaviours. And that's the next warning for us, which is legalism. Because when we say, the right heart before God must look like this behaviour, what we're doing is that we're inferring external behaviour upon the status of the heart. What am I talking about? Now, generally, if you love God, you would prioritize Him. You would seek to spend time with Him. You would not uh, refuse to love His people as well. This is how it usually looks like. Maybe regular church attendance, perhaps. But just because someone misses church once or twice doesn't mean that their heart is not right with God, you see. External behavior is a poor indicator of what's going on inside truly. Only God knows that. Okay? And that's what the religious teachers of Jesus' day was doing. The Pharisees, have you read just now? And I'd like to draw us to Mark chapter 2. When they saw Jesus' disciples doing work on the Sabbath, they criticized them uh, in verse 24 of Mark chapter 2. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? And what's Jesus' response? The Sabbath was made for man. The Sabbath was meant to bless man. It was for the good of man. So in our new uh, gospel reading just now, Jesus healed that woman. He blessed that woman because that's what the Sabbath is meant for. It's meant to bless God's people and not man for the Sabbath. God did not intend for humanity to slavishly obey an external expectation. We are not to do so or observe it legalistically. So even then, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. You see, Jesus, the Son of Man, is the Lord of the Sabbath. The Sabbath is about restful worship in Christ. And therefore, it is Christ who defines how we view rest and worship. And that's our last segment for today, the Lord of the Sabbath. So we've seen how the Sabbath was purposed to allow God's people in the Old Testament, which means the Israelites and the Jews, to, to rest and worship. What about now? So these, let's look at these two things here. For rest in the Old Testament meant to trust in God's provision, provision, to cease from work because God will provide. For us today, it's still true. God is still our provider. We are still to trust in Him. We are still to, to show that we trust in Him by setting aside time to honour Him. But so much more than that in Christ, uh, that we rest in God in, in a more significant way. That we cease from work not just labor, but we cease from striving to earn God's favor. We cease from trying to be good enough. We cease from trying to make up of our failings before God. We rest from trying to clean ourselves up. We stop from all of that because God, who knows that we need rest, 
also knows the extent of our sins and our failures before him. And he knows that it's grievous, it's bad, but he also knows that we can't ever pay that price ourselves. So he has also provided a way for that to be possible by resting and trusting in Christ, in faith, on what Christ has done. We believe that Christ loved you and loved us enough to die for us. That Jesus, though innocent, allowed himself to be executed like a, like a criminal on the cross. Not that he did wrong, but because he's doing so on behalf of the wrongs of the entire humanity. That on the cross, Jesus bore the full weight of our shame, our guilt, and our punishment. So as we put our faith in him, we are, we are united with him, we are in him. The debt that our sins and our failings, the punishment has been united with Christ, the, the punishment Christ bore on the cross. And in turn, when we've been united with him, we receive Christ's life. So we rest by seizing all attempts to try to pay for our sins, our failings. Instead, Christ has given us God's forgiveness, his own life as a gift. And if it's a gift, don't insult the giver, gift giver by paying for it, right? Receive it in faith and respond in thanks. And if you today, you do not know Jesus as your Lord, I would like, to, like you to hear Jesus' invitation in Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So we are invited to rest in Christ. Rest in Christ's righteousness, rest in his perfection, so that we can worship. Now, worship in the Old Testament meant, uh, we looked at it as a blessing for God's people. They were meant to be refreshed by remembering what God has done to save them. They were to delight in God by seeking him. That the Sabbath was meant to point God's people to him. And in Christ, brothers and sisters, we have so much more. In John 14 verse 6, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Christ is the only way to the Father. It is through Christ that we approach and know God as Father. Christ, the eternal Son of God, for whom God the Father has poured out all of his love into since eternity past. That's the relationship we join into because we are in Christ. Christ is the foundation of our intimacy with God. So just as Christ has called God Father on the basis of an eternal relationship, we get to go in and call God Father, the creator of the universe, an intimate relationship with us through Christ. And that's the point of the entire Old Testament scriptures, to be honest. That scriptures uh, are able to make us wise for salvation through faith in Christ. That's the point of the entire scripture was pointing to Christ, including the Sabbath. That the Sabbath is really about Christ. And that's our last principle. The Sabbath is Christ's shadow. And this is taken uh, directly from Colossians chapter 2, verses 16 to 17. Therefore, let, one, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food or drink or with regard to a festival or new moon or a Sabbath. These things are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Christ is the reality and the Sabbath and all there is, make no mistake, they are shadows casted from Christ's substance. 
So the Sabbath for us as Christians is no longer exclusively on a Saturday, on, rigidly on any other 24-hour period in a seven-day week. Because the substance is Christ. Now, having said that, I still hold that we don't, uh, even as I say, we don't legalistically observe it, right? Uh, on a Saturday or on a Sunday. But what we do here every week is important. By setting aside each week to gather, we're telling God, you matter to my heart. We're telling our heart and we're telling others who view us, right? We are refreshing and realign ourselves to the reality that our lives on this earth is temporary. But God is eternal. All the things we do, we live for Christ. Only that will endure. And this is a weekly reminder. It's a good thing for us. And collectively, I mean, if our whole congregation somehow cannot meet on a Sunday or Sunday becomes unfeasible, we can meet on another day. We have that freedom. And that's what our brothers and sisters in the East Coast, which observes a Friday, Saturday weekend, do. No, nothing wrong with that. Remember, as we gather every week, we proclaim the Lord's name and His presence with us. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we proclaim His death until He comes. So it is appropriate and is good. And let's not give up in gathering, in this tradition of weekly gathering on the Lord's Day that has continued unceasingly for 2,000 years that the Lord's Day is Sunday, S-O-N, day. Not as a Sabbath that we need to obey if not we're condemned, but because we want to honour our Lord. But I want to last end on this one thing. It's a further dimension to the Christian understanding of Sabbath that goes just beyond the weekly gathering of saints that we're doing right now. And this was in our New Testament reading in Hebrews 4. And this the last bit. It's talking about Sabbath, but Sabbath rest. Not rest of the land in the Old Testament, but rest, a greater rest in heaven. That after we die, when, we, when we're with Christ in heaven, we cease from our pilgrimage. We rest in Him truly. But we are called in verse 11 of, of Hebrews chapter 4 to strive to enter that rest. Striving to rest. It's like a paradox, isn't it? But striving is not like the striving I mentioned earlier, isn't it? It's not futile. The striving, brothers and sisters, is necessary because we still live in a day and age when heaven, that rest, has not come. That means everything, the devil, the world, our own flesh, will seek to undermine God's intended blessings for us in Sabbath. So we need to strive intentionally to push it back, to carve out time to honour Him. And yes, this looks like on a weekly basis, but it goes beyond that. We need a daily reminder that if striving to enter the rest that Christ provides is a daily occurrence to carve out each day time that uh, to do things that will bring us closer to God in God's truth. Not just the way we like it, but what God wants to tell us. There's a daily aspect to it that we strive daily for this. And last but not least, we strive in grace. Because we, grace because it is God who will give us the strength to do so. It is His Spirit that would uh, allow us to be able to enjoy His presence. So we strive to enter His rest to get this greatest blessing that God has given us in Christ, the blessing of Himself. himself. The Sabbath is about restful worship in Christ. So let's not ignore this commandment, but rather, in light of who Christ is to us, what He has done for us, let us be approaching God with right hearts. Perhaps, maybe if we've been distracted by any way, or forgotten, perhaps, what Sabbath truly means, let us turn to Him in mercy, asking Him for mercy. Let's pray. 
Father, we thank you that you know us, you know our needs, even our need for you and for salvation. Help us to be approaching you with right hearts, giving you all honour and glory and praise because you deserve it. And where we have been taking for granted the things of you, forgive us. Have mercy upon us. Sustain us by your grace. And help us, Lord, to seek to honour you every day, not just on a Sunday, but every day, as long as you give us breath. In his name we pray. Amen.